You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We are Canada's number one tech radio program. We've got uh, a fun show for you today. Uh, later on, we'll uh, be going retro, talking about the last call BBS game, the last call bulletin board system game. A game that simulates what it was like back in the 80s. <laughs> the good old days. Yes. Uh, we'll also be talking about Elon Musk's boring company. This is his company that drills tunnels underground. Uh, we've had a chance to actually go in one of them in Las Vegas uh, earlier this year. Uh, it connects all the convention centers uh, down uh, in Vegas, and you ride Teslas, essentially. They travel from stop to stop, and the idea is that, uh, obviously, it saves time over walking or trying to catch cabs or anything like that. Well, they're expanding it. We're going to tell you what's happening with that uh, as well. Uh, let's get into some of the tech news, John. Uh, Disney, they've got a $5,000 Star Wars cocktail. <laughs> yes. What the heck? <laughs> it's it's pretty crazy. So they have this um, a cruise, the Disney Cruise exclusive for Star Wars fans. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's already pretty expensive to do that um and this particular drink is called the kyber crystal that powers like lightsabers right yes typically found in the jedi temples those types of things um and it's exclusively aboard the disney wish cruise ship in its hyperspace lounge sounds like fun yeah but it's five thousand us so what do you get for five thousand well the galactic beverage is primarily made of camas cognac. It also includes the Japanese citrus fruit yuzu, as seemingly every drink nowadays does, uh, as well as kumquat, but there's a lot more. It features Grand Marnier quintessence. I don't know how you say that. Um, and it's also a multi-component drink. It, uh, it's, it's more like a flight of cocktails, and some of these things are um, very exclusive drinks. So one of the drinks that you get is Pappy Van Winkle's Family Reserve 23-Year Bourbon. A single bottle is close to $6,000 on its own. Yeah. And you also get Taylor's Fladgate Kingsman Edition Very Old Tawny Port, just over $3,000 a bottle. And um, unfortunately, you don't actually get the vessel that it comes in, which sounds like it's really cool. Um, but you do get a metal plate and cups that it's served in. You get a Star Wars backpack, water bottle. Does Baby Yoda come with it? <laughs> no. 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 But one interesting thing you do get is you get a voucher for one guest to visit Skywalker Ranch, which is not normally open to the public. This is where they do all of the uh, uh, audio production for all of the Star Wars films, Disney and, and et cetera, uh, in Marin County, California. Um, it does not necessarily come with a chance to meet George Lucas, although he might be on the property when you're there. Yeah. Doesn't uh, he live there? He does. Yeah. 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 And this particular hy- hyperspace lounge has a maximum capacity of 50 guests. So you pretty much have to be pretty loaded to go to this place. Would you spend five? Like, let's pretend you had huge money. If I was Elon rich. Yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, because what else are you going to spend that money on? <laughs> I, I couldn't do it, John. Um, there's a new sand battery that stores renewable energy as heat. 
This is very cool. There's there's been a lot of advancements in battery tech lately that I'm yeah. excited about, and uh, this company in Finland has created an unusual storage solution for renewable energy, one that uses stand instead of lithium ion, which is typically what we see in all of our phones and EVs and everything else. Yeah. Um, and it is basically is uh, stores electricity as heat in the sand, up to five hundred to six hundred degrees Celsius. Sound safe? Yeah. Don't touch it. Yeah. Uh, hotter than the stoves in typical saunas. Um, so, yeah, it's it's interesting. I don't know exactly the practical application of this, but it's an interesting way of storing energy. Yeah. Well, probably easier to get sand than lithium. This is true. Yeah. Yes. We'll have to follow up on that story, see how they do uh, with it uh, as well. Um TikTok. TikTok shops are lousy with counterfeit uh, products. Yeah. T- t- TikTok is famous for having like these hashtags. TikTok made me buy it. Yeah. So they, someone will show something really cool on Amazon or some other place. And the comments are literally, where can I buy this? I need yeah. it now. And a lot of the stuff that people show are knockoffs cheaper alternatives for things yeah right? and we've talked about this before uh we talked about knockoff airpods we talked about all kinds of fake electronics yeah looks real looks real yeah kind of sounds real and so tiktok is uh swarming with these yeah 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 because it's all basically affiliate links for these creators yeah and, and they make money from that they make money from that yeah yeah but it's interesting though because tiktok was also looking at doing some live shopping streams uh, kind of like the shopping channel, but on TikTok. And uh, apparently it's very popular in Asia, not so much in the US and Europe. So they've actually shelved plans to to bring that to yeah. those continents. But is TikTok doing anything about this? I mean, how would you, like, there's like gazillions of videos being uploaded every day, like millions. Yeah, it'd be like whack-a-mole. Yeah. I mean, the copyright holder would have to go after them. Not yeah. Not so much TikTok, but... Um, yeah, it's it's an interesting problem. I mean, it's a problem that Amazon had to deal with as well, and they've taken steps to, uh, let's just say, legitimize their supply chain in some ways. Yeah, remember all the uh, memory card counterfeits that you could get? Oh like my god, the knockoff Sandisks and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, you'd uh, you'd see these ads for these memory cards, like a gigabyte um, SD card that's like a tenth of the price. Yeah, but it wasn't really. No, it would say like a terabyte. Yeah. But it, Sorry, you, yeah, terabyte, yeah. You'd only get like a few hundred gigs maybe on it. Yeah. And, and if it even worked at all. Yeah. I remember I ordered what I thought was a legitimate SanDisk. I think it was a 256 gig SD card. It literally came in a Ziploc bag. Like <laughs> just the card itself. And it's a micro SD card, so it's a yeah. tiny little thing. Yeah. Little, little well, it's just to protect it. Right. <laughs> so I actually, I, I, I talked to Amazon like, hey, this doesn't seem like legit. Yeah. And they assured me it was. Okay. So I'm like, okay. If I had did any, it work? Did it work? It, it, it actually did work. Yeah. Yeah. And I, there's that. Can the, you just imagine at the warehouse, it's just like a, a big box. Uh, yeah. <laughs> these loose little micro SD cards and the guys are just getting a Ziploc bag with tweezers and <laughs> kind of funny. Uh, speaking of Amazon, they're starting to make deliveries by e-bike and on foot in London. I think this is really cool, actually. the the little um, the little carts that they have. Yeah, they kind of look like electrified hot dog carts. 
Yeah, it's hard to explain. So they're, they're e-bikes, but they've got this whole thing on the back where it stores the packages. It's all enclosed. So they're obviously very narrow. Yeah. Um, but I guess for cities like London, you you know, you haven't been there, but it's super narrow streets. And yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's just packed yeah. in there. So like having big trucks trying to deliver stuff, it just doesn't work. So, uh, you know, in many cases, these e-bikes are, or they're talking about delivering by foot as well. It totally makes sense to me. It totally does. And I imagine these particular bikes are very efficient because I don't know if you have to pedal or if that's just like a pedal assist. Yeah. Um, but they're also talking about putting uh, solar panels uh, to recharge them. That's interesting. Yeah. I wonder how well that works, though. Well, I, I think I think wherever they go to live to, to be charged overnight yeah. is where the solar panels live. Yeah. Not necessarily on top of the vehicles. That's fascinating. We're going to have to take a break. Uh, we have a lot more tech to talk about uh, today. Coming up, Elon Musk is drilling more tunnels under the Las Vegas sand. Where are they going? Stay tuned to find out. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Elon Musk, seems like we're talking about him all the time. It's becoming like an evil genius. Or a Bond villain. Or Bond villain. He's got SpaceX. He's launching rockets into space. He wants to colonize Mars. He's got a whole satellite internet company, Starlink. That uh, is he going to colonize Mars with his own kids? He's got nine children, <laughs> doesn't he? He has nine yeah, children. Yeah. I didn't realize he had so many kids. No, I didn't either. It's insane. Yeah. And obviously, the man behind Tesla as well. Yes. And Tesla getting you know into cars. They're going to get into big trucks. They're into solar. But he also has another company, John, the Boring Company. And it's anything but boring. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember the flamethrower that he sold? Yeah. I don't know why. He, didn't he have like tequila bottles as well? Tesla tequila. Yeah. yeah. So the Boring Company, their whole premise is to build uh, cheaper, more cost-effective tunnels under cities to alleviate congestion. Yeah. And so I think they've dug some test tunnels in Los Angeles. Uh, Las Vegas seems to be one of the first um, ones that they've actually finished, like for the real world. Uh, so they've got this tunnel underneath the Las Vegas Convention Center. If you've ever been to the Las Vegas Convention Center, it is enormous. And it's not just one building, it's several buildings. And it takes like half an hour to walk from kind of one end to the other that's on a good day when yeah. there's nobody else there. But when we've been there, there's always been tons of people. Well, there's like 200,000 people there, right? Yeah. So you're just like kind of yeah. moshing your way through. Yeah. From one end to the other, it's a, I would say at least 45 minutes. So he drilled some tunnels underneath and there's stations at each convention hall and you basically go down there and hop in a Tesla. So the Teslas, you're not driving them. They've got drivers. I guess one day the dream is that they'll be autonomous. Yeah. But for now, they have drivers. And so the idea is that these Teslas pull into the station, you get in the in the car, and they take off to the next station. And that that's supposed to take about 11 seconds, that, you know, getting into the car. Yeah. That's how this whole thing, the premise is built. Well, on. the drivers have a rule. They have to pull into the station. If yeah. they don't get someone to get into it within a few seconds, yeah. like I think it's 10 or 15 seconds, yeah. they're supposed to continue on to the next station just yeah. so it's constantly moving. We tried it. Yeah. I thought it was excellent. I did too. Yeah. yeah. It saved uh, a lot of walking. 
Yeah, I mean, the whole time, like from going down the escalator to coming up the other escalator at the other convention center. Yeah. Five, six minutes, maybe? Max. Yeah. 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 I don't even know if it was that long. No, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was, I mean, it went fast. And so I've seen some videos. I guess people are always trying to show stuff when it's not working right. Yeah. I mean, so they, they showed some videos where there was some congestion in the tunnels but again, from my experience, it, it worked. I my question the volume, like how much can they handle? When so the consumer electronics show we go to in January, John, it can get anywhere of like one hundred fifty thousand to two hundred thousand people. When it's got that many people, what happens? Well, yeah, I mean, when we went this January because of COVID, it was severely reduced. Yeah, it was like what forty thousand? Yes, somewhere in there. At so best. yeah, so a quarter uh, of the size. Yeah. But what's interesting, though, is the plans to take this to all the casinos and even the airport. And the stadium. And the stadium, yeah. Yeah. So it's one thing to be going from one convention hall to the other. It's another thing to have luggage, have a whole family that needs to be moved, Yeah. right? Can you imagine getting all your kids in there? Yeah. Yeah. And if there's a baby? Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know how they would address, like, baby seats. I don't know. Maybe you just, if you got a baby, you can't get in there. Because that would gum the whole system up. Why are you bringing a baby to Vegas anyways? Well, I guess there's not a lot of... Yeah, there, I've seen babies down there. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, it sounds awesome in, in theory. And they've they've done the first extension to it. Yeah. Uh, to Resort World, which is kind of near the convention center. Yeah. It, it, Resort World um, is probably just a few blocks away from one part of the convention center. Yeah. So it, it's probably the shortest distance. But like we said, the plan is eventually to go from Resort World basically up and down the strip all the way to the airport. So I think, how much are they charging? Well, it's free right now. Yeah. But eventually they're going to charge $1.50 for a single ride or yeah. two fifty for a day pass, which, yeah. is, which is a steal. Yeah. I mean, the city bus along the strip is actually very effective and it's fairly inexpensive in, in Vegas to go from, say, one end of the strip to uh, Fremont. Yeah which is the the old Las Vegas area. It's it's, it's like a dollar or a couple dollars yeah. to do that. And I've done that many times because it's also air conditioned. Yes. Um, but having this uh, tunnel system uh, would be even better, but volume, right? We talked about getting your whole family in. What if you're leaving the convention center or leaving your hotel, going to the airport, you've got luggage. Again, that's going <sighs> to... So right now, I think he says it can do 4,400 people an hour. That's at the convention loop. Yeah. At the convention loop. It's, it sounds like a lot, but it's not. No. When you're dealing with tens of thousands of people, and they say they, they want to take it to the stadium, Allegiant Stadium. Okay, so the football game gets out. Oh, there's 40,000 people. Or more. Or, or the, more. The stadium holds a lot of people. Yeah. And then there's also T-Mobile Arena, which is where the hockey is played. Yes. As well as concerts. Yeah. So... <laughs> I don't see how they're going to move that many people. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Well, yeah. The other thing too, is not everyone's going to be taking that to uh, resorts world, for example. Yeah. Right? It just depends on where, where they are. I haven't witnessed the congestion that happens after a hockey game or a football game uh, in that part of the strip. Yeah. I imagine it's pretty chaotic. Yeah. I mean, just think about in Canada here when a Canucks game gets out or a yeah. Flames game or yeah. Maple Leafs game. Like, it's chaos. Yeah. 
and even more so down there because of everyone's using an Uber or walking around. Yeah. So to get it to Resort World, I think, what did that cost? $44 million? Which is quite inexpensive. When you think about like... When you're building a tunnel, yeah. Right. Like right now, the SkyTrain project that's happening in Vancouver, that's a billion dollar project. Yeah. $44 million is chump change. Yeah. So, but that's the thing that a lot of people don't realize is that these tunnels are very small. They're not huge tunnels with maintenance um, uh, passageways and all this kind of stuff. No, it's just enough room for a car. Basically, yeah. Yeah. So they have plans to do 50 stations on the Vegas Strip. So I'm, I'm excited about it. I think this is, you know, something that we should be looking at for cities because things are getting pretty congested. Yeah. And if we can get people out of cars... That would make, well, I guess we're getting them into underground cars, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, but it's not. Underground electric cars. True. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, too. He's, you're able to buy tickets with Dogecoin by scanning a QR code at the resort. That's the one he's promoting all the time. Yeah. 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 Which is basically worthless. <laughs> totally. Okay. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. Uh, this is an interesting story uh, coming up right now, John. Uh, if true, it would be enormous. Uh, they're saying uh, a massive police database of allegedly 1 billion Chinese citizens citizens is being sold online. So a hacker has hacked into the Shanghai police and basically captured this this database. I don't know why the Shanghai police would have almost two-thirds of Chinese citizens records that that would be definitely the biggest hack ever probably it's 23 terabytes of information uh, the hacker wants 10 Bitcoin for it which is about two hundred thousand dollars but the information uh, allegedly covers everything from name addresses marital status education like you name it it's in there you know if they've done any criminal right activities as well how would they get this? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, this hacker better cover his tracks because he's not long for this earth. No. No. No, because this this is how you get disappeared. It's, um, uh, it's crazy that this one database would have that much information, though. I, just, I, I find it somewhat hard to believe, but at the same time, I guess believable, just knowing how the Chinese government you know, kind of looks after their citizens, so to speak. Right. I mean, they have cameras everywhere. Yeah. Like absolutely every, every five to 10 feet, there's a camera in the city. It doesn't matter, you know, some little backside street, there's cameras. Yeah. Like it's just everywhere. But it's, it's, it's an interesting culture as well. Like we've been over there and we've seen what they're doing with smart cities and, and cameras. And it just seems like, many of the people we talked to that live there, they were kind of okay with it because they felt it was more of a protection and security thing. Like, for example, in one city, um, all the motorcycles and mopeds, they had to have a tracker in them. Right. And that's to prevent theft. And Sure. So, you know, I saw the demo of this, and, you know, I asked, you know, the, the girl that was doing the demo... And I said, well, aren't, aren't people concerned about privacy? And, and she just looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There is no privacy. No. 
But it wasn't even a concern for her. Well, I will say, did I ever tell you the story about the lost passport? Yeah, tell me, tell me again. Yeah, so uh, I was in uh, Shanghai for the CES Asia. This was a few years ago. And they. Uh, I was with a friend and we were out having a few beverages. Yeah. And we took a cab back to our hotel and he had left his wallet in the cab. Yeah. And he was freaking out because his wallet had his passport in it. Yeah. Which is very important to get out of China yes. <laughs> at the time. And we were able to contact the police and they were able to um, retrace our steps by starting off at the place that we got the cab at. So you told them what time and where you were. Right. We were at, we were at another hotel yes. uh, where there, there was events for CES. Yeah. And then we went uh, into this cab and things, all the cabs there look the same. They just yeah. have like a kind of like a very minor sticker to differentiate the different companies. So you can't just say, well, it was a green cab or a yeah. yellow cab or whatever. And it's Chinese writing on it. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and so they were able to, on the CCTV, find footage of us leaving the hotel, zoom in. The police. The police. Yeah. And figure out which cab company it was, trace it back to the specific cab driver, and get his phone number. And we called him up, and he actually met us at our hotel. My friend just paid the fare for him to bring back yeah. the, the wallet, which was still in the back seat of the cab, and he got, his, he got everything back. It was amazing. But it was kind of cool and freaky at the same time to know that they were able to sort of track us through the city. It was a 20-minute cab ride from the one hotel to our hotel. Yeah. And they were able to track us the entire route to figure out which cab company it was and even identify the cab driver. So you're happy. You yes. got your passport back. Yeah. But how do you feel about how easily <laughs> you were to track your every movement that evening? Well, it makes you really think about what you're doing in these foreign countries. Yeah. And you don't want to do anything that's not above board. Yeah. <laughs> because someone will they find They will find you. Yeah. Because there's that many cameras. Yeah. It, it kind of blows me away. Yeah. So on the one hand, I am happy that you got your passport back. Well, it wasn't me. It was my friend. But your friend. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, that's unprecedented surveillance and power. Absolutely. And this was, I think, in 2015. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine now? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it's crazy. But there's other cities like that, John, like, you know, the UK, like, and yeah. London. Yeah. The, amount, the sheer amount of, they call them CCTV. I don't know how any, do you watch British crime shows, like police shows? No. I don't know how they would solve any crime without CCTV. That's the first thing they always do. Get the CCTV footage. Right. The, the, I guess the question for me is like, they've got all of this data. Yeah. How do you even sift through it all? Like 23 terabytes, it's just the one database. I know, but there's these companies that, that have software that, you know, that have artificial intelligence that can sift through looking for patterns, looking for faces. Yeah. Like, I'm sure they have software, John, that they could just like put your face in and it would just sift through all the video and find you. And... <laughs> you know, John's life in China. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. But that's the world we live in now. So you got to think about that. We are getting more surveillance. Like everything's got a camera in it now. Yeah. Our homes are full of cameras, you know, because we're buying all these cheap security cams. They're all tied in. Like Amazon's trying to tie those all in together with their sidewalk program. Right. Cities are putting more cameras in. North America, I think we're fighting it a bit more. 
but it's, it's it's been accepted in most other parts of the world. Well, whether whether they the population likes it or not. Ironically, everybody's already wearing a tracker by carrying their smartphone. Yeah, which has been proven. Yeah, even if it's anonymized data, it's still something that everyone gives up for free. That's the world we live in. Okay, we're going to have to take a break. You are tuned in to Get Connected. When we come back, a little more tech to talk. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Gagarbo here with John Beeler. We're going to get a little nerdy now, John. You remember bulletin boards? I sure do. That was kind of the precursor to the internet. Uh, It was the the golden age of computing. (laughs) In our minds, right? The retro days. Well, it was back in the 80s, right? I remember... um, you know, I had an Atari computer and I got a modem for it, which was like a telephone coupler for your computer. And it just, it blew my mind. It just opened my world. So it allowed me to dial other computers that had set themselves up as a bulletin board system. And you could leave messages and chat with people on there. And when I say chat with people, it was like typically maybe one person because uh, unless that bulletin board system was sophisticated and had multiple lines, it was like a one line. Well, in the early days, it was like only one person can be on that site at any given time. Exactly, exactly. And I I love that, that era. I mean, I think I was about nine or 10 and I created my own. I, I did too on my Atari computer. Yeah, me too. And one of my buddies in, high, in school, he uh, had found a program so we we literally had the entire program that ran the BBS on our Atari. I think it was in basic, yeah. but it was like spaghetti code. It was like this long, huge thing. And we kept trying to tweak it and customize it and make it our own. And it was super fun, especially at that time, because this was, like you said, the internet was someone's dream and hadn't even been no. thought of. Yeah, yet, it was really. like still with the US defense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the fact that, you know, I could sit there in my house at the time I was living in Ontario and people from all over the world could call my house. Yeah. And I, what was your BBS called? Well, it was Hogan's heroes. And no. I, was, I was Colonel Hogan. <laughs> yeah. Mine was called moon shadow. What's that from? Um, you know, it was a comic book that I really liked at the time. And the comic book I think was, um, an homage to, uh, a cat Stevens moon shadow song. Okay. Yeah. But anyway, um, I don't even know how I programmed that mine. Like, I'm not like the best programmer in the world, but somehow I got that thing up and going. Um, and for storage, because you, you, people could log in and download files and things like that. I hate to say it, I had some pirated games on there at the time, which I think a lot of BBSs. That that's did. that was their, their their main reason for existing. <laughs> it's totally just, right. Was to share files back. In and the so I, I remember I had my Atari floppy disk drive as well. So I had. I could store things in my the memory of my computer, uh, but also I had that extra storage on the on the floppy disk drive as well. <laughs> it, it's mind-boggling to think how small those files are now. Oh, dude, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, like as always, people were jockeying to be like my sysop right. or co-sysop. So sysop is like the system operator, which would be me, right? And they like they want to be the co-system op- operator, right? And like. People were applying for that. I'm like, do I, I do I even really need this? <laughs> like, I have one line, and my mine was only open. I was lucky. I, I had us three boys. Like, I had two other um, brothers. We had our own phone line. Yeah, uh, and it pissed them off, right? Because I 
my bulletin board system was open from like seven o'clock till, you know, seven the next morning. Mine was open 24 hours because I was, it was my own line. Wow. But I remember talking to the telephone company as a 10 year old trying to get a phone line. They're like, maybe have your mom call back. (laughs) (laughs) So your mom bought off on it? Yeah. Yeah. And she did. And she thought, she thought it was cool. So again, you just have to think it was like one phone line, right? So you yeah. can only have one person on at a time. Yeah. Did you have a time limit, time limit as to how long they could be on? I don't remember. I, I kind of wanted someone to be on there all the time anyway. So I don't yeah. really care if it was one person or 50 people. But I, I felt like God, right? Cause you know, they'd log in, log in and then I could, I could watch what they were doing. Uh, well, I know. Yeah. 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 And I mean, there wasn't a lot to do really when I think about it, but I mean, there were, you know, they started getting like some rudimentary games and puzzle yeah. games you could play on there as well. Well, it's funny you should mention that. Okay. The reason why we're talking about this is because I came across something really kind of fun and nostalgic. Some uh, developer has released a game on Steam. This is the, the service that you can uh, basically create an account. You can go buy games there. It's like a game store. for. It's a game store for yeah. mostly independent game developers. And... They've created something called the Last Call BBS. And this is essentially a BBS simulator. So everything we were just talking about, they've recreated this. They've made a fictional computer system that you would typically own. It actually looks not unlike our Ataris or a Commodore 64 type of thing. Uh, it's called the, uh, the Z5 Power Lance. And you basically dial into the Last Call BBS from Zaktronics. And what they've done is they've essentially made this a fun interface into a bunch of different games, like you were just mentioning, that you would log into these things, but you can do other things in there as well. You browse around, you can play uh, a bunch of different puzzle games that they've created within this world, and they're all very nostalgic to the time period, which is super fun. Um, And, you know, there's... um, it's constantly evolving. They keep adding new things to this particular title. So it's like a pretend bulletin board system from the 80s. Exactly. And you get all of the nostalgic bits and pieces. You get the dial-up tones. You get this little computer. You get the retro graphics, the, the ASCII art, all that kind of stuff that is you know, very specific to that time period. And I just thought this was a really fun um, throwback to that era that we both loved so much. And it's pretty inexpensive. It's a $22 game Canadian. Yeah. And they're, they're evolving it. They're adding more games to it all the time. They're adding more functionality to it. Does it still work at the same speed of a 300 baud modem? <laughs> that, what was the first modem you got for your computer? <sighs> Did you remember the speed? I think it was 300. I actually might even still have it in my house somewhere. Oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah. So I remember having that. And then they started making faster modems, right? Yeah. And my girlfriend at the time bought me a 1200 baud modem for my birthday that's a and i just thought this is like the best girlfriend ever (laughs) anyway we're not together anymore but (laughs) because she realized once she bought it for you she never saw you again yeah totally (laughs) totally. but i remember hooking it up i was just like oh my god it's gonna be a 1200 baud modem it's gonna be like four times faster yeah and john i hated it because with the 300 baud modem, like the text coming up on the screen, it was going fast enough, like as it was generating the yeah. the characters, that I could read it. Yeah. With the 1200 baud modem, it just the page would just like appear, appear, just like. And now. I just thought this is stupid. I like it better when I could just follow along and read the words as they came up. And it took a long time for me to get used to that. 
Yeah, the struggle was real. That is something nostalgic about that slow modem speed yeah. is that you could actually read what was happening. Yeah. And um, I remember, I think, when I got my faster modem, it was a game changer because I could download more things faster. Yeah, that, that was the, the cool part. I could yeah. download programs faster. It wouldn't take eight hours to download. But something. what was amazing, like, I had such power as well because I was, like, kind of into tech and stuff. And um, if you ever needed to update software, you didn't you didn't update software or no. or your modem or your computer. Like, you'd have to send away for a disk. <laughs> yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Right? If there was a major problem, you had to send away for a disk. Yeah. Um, but because I had a modem... I could log into like the bulletin board systems of like Microsoft or whomever, whomever, yeah. like yeah, the modem maker, and I could download a new driver. Right. I just thought that was like, oh my god, this is magical. Yeah, saves you a trip to the store or yeah. waiting probably weeks or months for something to come in the mail. Yeah, total geek geek out here. <laughs> okay, we're gonna have to take another break. When we come back, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. Don't forget to tune into our sister show. It's called The App Show. Uh, We've been doing it for a few years now, and it's great. It's all about the world of apps and mobile technology. And on every Sunday on the Chorus Radio Network, if you're in Toronto, it's on Saturday nights. And if you want to, it'd be great if you subscribe to our podcast of that and our Get Connected uh, radio program. You can find out more info on that at getconnectedmedia.com on the Listen tab, or just go to your favorite podcasting uh, uh, app, whether that's uh, Apple or Spotify, CuriousCast, and subscribe that way, and then you get them all the time. Uh, So on uh, the show coming up, on the app show, we're going to kind of dive into the cryptocurrency world. Uh, It's still, I know... uh, I think a mystery to a lot of people, how it all works, why it's going up and down. There has been a major, major crash over the past month, like uh, Bitcoin, which I think most people have heard of now, um, has gone from like a high of 60,000 down to like 20,000. Like it's just lost. Everything's tanking in the crypto space. Totally, totally. It was a great time for me to really get into crypto. (laughs) I lost a lot of money, John. (laughs) I'm just hoping it comes back up. We've got a cool guest on though, his uh, uh, his podcast uh, is uh, one of the most listened to cryptocurrency podcasts in North America right now. So he's going to be telling us why it went down, why we should care, and what will he think happen in the future. And he has a really great way of explaining it to the layperson. Yes, I actually understood everything he was telling me. Because yeah. sometimes it gets a little... He can get into the weeds. Yeah, like really technical. Uh, I want to thank all the folks that helped put the show together, including John and Robin. We'll see you again next time.